welcome to Blissful Parenting. I'm your host, Michelle Abraham, and today we're back again with Chuck Anderson, who is our founding uh, founding member of Blissful Parenting. Chuck is our founder and also an author and a parent himself, <laughs> and so happy to have you here with us today, Chuck. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, and uh, yeah, taking a little break from uh, raising the four kids, and uh, they're all at school right now, little ones out with... Uh, with my wife, and uh, so we've got some free time to record some podcasts today. See, parents, there is a such thing as free time when you have four kids, right? <laughs> Just kidding. It's hard to come by that free time, isn't it? Uh, well, we really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, listeners, you're in for a treat today because Chuck is going to come in and answer some of those really tough questions that we have about parenting. So, Chuck, if it's okay with you, why don't we just dive right into the questions? Let's go for it. Okay, great. So our first question is, how can I discipline my two-year-old child without physically disciplining her? Mm. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a tough one, right? Because, and we've actually seen arguments about this in some of the workshops that we've done, right? Because there are, you know, some people believe that, you know, a spanking, whether it, if it's done right and if it's done deliberately uh, can be effective. And I think that more and more there's studies being done that suggest the opposite of that, that, you know, even that deliberate punishment, um, even if it doesn't physically, you know, damage them, uh, can still be quite damaging to them emotionally, especially long term. And, you know, so here in Canada, uh, we actually do have spanking laws. Now, the, you're talking about a two-year-old here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, you're actually not allow allowed to spank a child who I think it's, maybe it's two to 12 or maybe it's three to 12. I'm not sure what the lower limit is, but uh, I know you can't, I know over 12 you can't. Um, and many countries have, abolished spanking entirely. And, you know, I think that uh, spanking is something that historically was done. I know when I was a child, uh, <laughs> it was done. Uh, I got myself in trouble and, and, and uh, in, you know, it was, it was common, especially in the 70s. Um, and I think today, people more and more do not want to use that as a strategy. So, so two things. Number one is I'm going to assume that you're asking this because you're someone who does not want to use this because it feels horrible, right? I mean, who wants to hurt their child or who wants to, you know, teach them to do better by making them feel horrible or experiencing physical pain? Uh, will they learn from it? Yes, but uh, they can also learn to uh, become numb to certain things as well. And, uh, you know, I actually read something recently that said, look, you know, when we hurt our children, you know, they don't stop loving us. They actually stop loving themselves. And while in that moment, we may see an instant correction in the behavior, there can be this long-lasting effect on how that child feels about themselves and the self-esteem that they have and the confidence that they have. Because ultimately, 
I think that most parents would like their children to be, you know, success, grow into successful adults who are self-sufficient and, and uh, you know, successful in whatever way they measure success. And I, I just don't see that as a way to, to get that done. And so I get it. You know, there's moments where in that moment, you just need the behavior to stop. And at that two-year-old stage, they call it the terrible twos for a reason. Um, because it's a, at two years old, they're going into a phase where they're, they're, they're not, I mean, up until that time, they've been completely dependent on you for everything. And they, they're starting to explore some of their independence. So if they're going to open up the kitchen cupboards and pour everything out onto the floor, or, you know, if they're going to run around and, and, and be crazy, or if they're going to get your attention any way that they can, then um, in that moment, you may be looking for a way to get it stopped instantly. And I think, and, and also, uh, I think that there is a point where a parent feels like they've tried everything. And when a parent reaches that point where they feel like they've tried everything and nothing has worked and they've got nothing left, they start asking themselves, is it okay? You know, if I use spanking, if I, if I use physical punishment. And so I think that's a, that's something that everyone needs to decide for themselves, but because legally you're, you are allowed to, but for me, I made a decision that that was just not going to happen. And so that's what actually started me on this journey because I found myself asking those same questions. And so I read the books and I joined a support group. And next thing I know, I'm giving workshops and lectures uh, on it and, uh, and, and coaching people. And so there is alternatives. The, the way you avoid this is you got to fill your toolbox full of strategies so that you don't run out of strategies. Because when you don't run out of strategies, you won't try to resort to physical punishment as a way of correcting the behavior. So take a course, go to a workshop, get a coach. Um, and it doesn't have to be ours. I mean, there's so many good programs out there. Uh, get the support and fill your toolbox full of things that uh, where you can learn to deal with this in a way where uh, you don't have to resort to the physical punishment. One of the ways is, and you can go on and you can take our free workshop on our website where you're going to learn the four hidden agendas. So when your two-year-old is misbehaving, are they doing it for your attention? Or are they trying to get power? Are they doing it for revenge? Or are they feeling inadequate or you know not up to the challenge? And learn about the four hidden agendas and when you learn how to uh, identify why the behavior is happening, you'll be able to respond to it in a way that fulfills the need. And when you fulfill the need, there's no longer a reason for them to behave that way. That's some really great points, Chuck. And yeah, your workshop on the four hidden agendas is so powerful. We've used it in our home. It's really helped a lot because as parents, I mean, we grew up with the, the spanking as a, as a punishment. And so what do we resort to is what we've learned and what we've been modeled. So now trying to model something different to our kids is so we need, to, we need the tools, like you said, filling our toolbox is so important and filling our own cups too. <laughs> so thank you for that answer. That's a really great one. So next question we have here for you is uh, what are some of the most valuable 
little parenting tricks that you have discovered actually says silly little parenting tricks, but I want to say most valuable silly little parenting tricks that you have. We're certainly glad that you discovered along your journey. Oh, wow. So valuable and silly. Well, (laughs) valuable for me was definitely the discovery of the four hidden agendas. Um, That's been very helpful for me as well. Um, But, you know, let's see, silly. I would say using the statement, I love you and. And I think a lot of parents, and I know I really struggled with this as well, is, you know, how do you deliver discipline or, um, or, you know, something in such a way where you're being both firm in your expectations, but you're also delivering it with kindness. So my wife and I, why my wife and I always say like, look, you know, if someone was videotaping us right now, would they think that they, we love our kids? And there's those moments, those, those tense moments where, where you're on the verge of yelling, where it may not seem like they're your favorite humans at, uh, at the time. But I love you and is a great way of delivering, you know, firm expectations. So let's say I want, you know, my son to unload the dishwasher. And he's like, no, I'm not going to unload the dishwasher. Right. And so, uh, well, let's, and, and we have, get into this thing and say, look, you know, I love you. And you're going to need to d- unload the dishwasher before you go on and play your video games this evening. Or, you're, you know, so uh, it's just a great sentence. And, and, and so it ends a lot of arguments. There's lots of ways to use that statement uh, in lots of situations. And I think just practice when you are communicating a discipline or an expectation it, and there you're getting pushback from the, from your kid just start your sentence with, I love you. And, and I I love it because it reminds them that, Hey, I'm not saying this because I don't like you. I'm not saying this because I want you to take away all your fun. Uh, I actually do love you. And at the same time, we have to take care of our household. We have to be a team. We have to take care of things. Right. And so, um, so, you know, part of our job is to help them uh, groom them into that responsibility as well. So, Uh, That's my favorite one. And there's one other one that I learned from reading Jane Nelson's book, uh, Positive Discipline, and that is The Power of a Hug. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, you could be right in the middle of a conflict, and you just stop it, and you say, I need a hug. Not, can I give you a hug? Because you can get the resistance, but you know what? I'm not feeling, you know, 100% right now. I really could use a hug right now. And um, it's interesting how often they will just stop (laughs) whatever they're doing and they'll give you a hug, right? And so it's interesting. I've done this with when they were little. Uh, I still use it every once in a while now uh, at the teenage stage. And, you know, we have that connection. So we can, as an interrupt, as a way of interrupting a conversation, I really like that one too. Those are great ones. And Chuck, I have a quick question about the first one. Now, if we were to reverse it and say, you need to unload the dishwasher and I love you, it doesn't work. Is that correct? Because of the languaging? Yeah, I would be careful phrasing it that way because it makes it sound like the only way to receive my love 
is if you unload the dishwasher. But instead, I'm saying, I love you. I hear what you're saying. And I still expect you to do this and, you know, to, to contribute to our household. And so it's, I think I'm very careful. And this is something I really had to practice when I was first learning it is to deliver it in such a way where it didn't sound like I was making the love conditional. The love is unconditional. This conflict is temporary, right? So I think that's really what we're going for there. Awesome. That clarifies that one. Thank you. Those are some great, silly, valuable parenting tricks for us to put into our toolbox. So that's great. Next question is about a timeout. Now we've talked about the spanking and the physical hitting. Is a timeout a better option, you think? Yeah. And this is one that I really struggled with when I was first getting on this positive discipline track. And because it, it just seems so darn effective especially when they're little, right? So they misbehave, okay, go have a timeout and, you know, sit in the corner or whatever. But, you know, the problem with it is, is that it's putting the emphasis on the negative feeling. It's making the emphasis on the negative thing that they did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's something, you know, in, you know, 20 years of personal development uh, seminars and coaching that what we focus on expands. So if we focus on the bad thing that they did, and when we issue a timeout, we're actually putting energy on that. We're uh, applying attention. And especially if their hidden agenda in doing that behavior was attention, you've just given them what they need and not in a positive way, right? And so now by giving them the time out, we can actually be encouraging more of that behavior because their brain goes, ah, I need mom and dad's attention. I'm not really getting it any other way. So I'm going to do these things. So even when they're trying to get me to go and have a time out in the corner, uh, I'm getting my need fulfilled. Mm. So we need to recognize, you know, first of all, the hidden agenda that's, that's, that's driving the behavior but also we need to uh, focus more on, you know, acknowledging and praising the good things they do, noticing the good that they do, being proactive about giving them the attention mm -hmm. in, in a positive way because now their me needs are met because they're, you're, they're, they're, you are noticing the good versus reacting to the bad. Like that one. That's good. Just some more encouragement and good behavior recognition. And I think that would probably solve a lot of the problems in my house. <laughs> so I'm going to keep that one in mind. Um, okay. So the next question is uh, my child keeps playing computer games and this has me worried. How can I get my child to stop playing the computer games away from the computer games? <laughs> I think we all have that question. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> sure do. Computer games or iPads or, you know, anything online technology stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we have, we have three kids in this house who, you know, when they come home from school and they'll be home in the next 30 minutes here and they will all rush to a device and start playing. And so, I mean, all the usual things, we try to set limits, okay, you're only going to play an hour a day, uh, and then you have to go do something else. And, you know, 
but usually they'll just jump from one device to another, right? They'll go and they'll play video games and then they'll go, uh, and then they'll go watch TV or they'll get their, some handheld device. And my children are very good at negotiating. So they'll say, well, you said I couldn't be on the computer, but you didn't say I couldn't be on the tablet. And then I say, well, get off the tablet and say, well, you told me to get off the computer and the tablet, but you didn't say that I couldn't go on the phone. And so they just find these little loopholes. And it's kind of like water running downhill and you're trying to stop it from running downhill by kind of putting your hand in front of it. It's just going to find a path, right? So, you know, one of the things that I'm really observing about that is the more you try to restrict the video gaming, the more they want to try to find ways to skirt around the restrictions, right? It's like, just try to hold water in your hand. It does, it's going to find a way out uh, at some point. So uh, do we sometimes restrict it? Yes. Um, and if you learn how to technology works, uh, you, you, you can get these routers now where you can go on and you can set the times. Uh, so that really helps as well. So, you know, you're not trying to get them off to go to bed. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the internet cuts out at eight o'clock, right? Or whatever time you set it to, and it doesn't turn on again until the next morning. And, um, you know, if you're worried about them playing too much time on the, the weekends, uh, Microsoft Family has a really good system there if you want to restrict, you know, overall game time. But again, restrictions works to a point, but then they find a way around the restrictions. So what we try to do and this is another really great learning technique is that is learning by natural consequences. And so uh, one of the things that I, I do find effective, and we have to repeat it now and again, uh, to get my children to choose to restrict themselves. And that is by maybe having a day where they've overindulged on the video gaming and now they have a headache and they feel horrible. And, you know, they're just, they're just not themselves. And so in that moment, we will stop and then we'll have a conversation about it. Say, okay, well, why, why do you not feel great right now? Did you perhaps spend too much time playing uh, on the computer? And they'll, they'll go, yeah, I, I spent way, I way overdid it. And say, okay, great. Well, what are some strategies that we can do so that you don't do that again in the future? Because I really want to help you prevent, prevent you from feeling this you know, lousy uh, in the future. And that to me has been the greatest motivator, right? Like you can show them the studies. I mean, my teenager, I, I, I give him a study saying, oh yeah, screen time is bad. He doesn't believe it, right? Um, the restrictions, they just find a way around the restrictions. But when you can get them to actually feel something, they feel horrible, they will make their own choice. And it may take some repetition and some encouragement and, uh, and, 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 and I think you can get there. But ultimately, what I want to uh, teach my children to do is to form good habits on, and to choose to hold themselves accountable on that habit. And then I'm not having to be sort of the video game police, right? So not always an easy thing to do. And there are still will be those days where they overindulge. But generally speaking, they will remember the time that they felt bad and they will hold themselves accountable to it. I think that's a great strategy. And I think that's something that all of us parents, because technology is such a, still a new thing that, you know, 
we're not sure how to deal with these kinds of things yet. And I already see it in my, my son who's seven, it's starting to develop these habits. So um, figuring out a way that's not having to be the police for the electronics the rest of your life is a great way of looking at it. And our next question kind of is along the same lines. And this one um, comes back to um, not the electronics, but how do we get our kids to then study and without being the study police? So how do we encourage them to want to get the homework done and do their studying? Yeah, so begging kids to do their homework is something that we really had to overcome. And it, uh, I'll be honest, it took a couple of years of repetition to do this, but I think we, 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 we did get there. Because uh, around the time that my eldest, he's now almost 16 years old, uh, when he was going into grade six, had a really tough time. We had a really tough year emotionally. We, we lost a couple of family members. And, and, and so there was a lot going on emotionally for him. And, and then he was going through this, you know, we talk about the four hidden agendas, inadequacy, like just did not feel confident about anything, especially math. You even mentioned the word math or numbers to him and he would just, and it was beyond resistance. It was like almost, almost convulsions. Like he was so convinced that he was terrible at it. Um, and it actually led us to homeschooling him for three years. Um, and, and today he's actually an honor roll student. He's in grade 11, he's going to public school again on the honor roll. Um, so did we turn that corner? Yes but it took an awful lot of encouragement. And so again, you have to, uh, for our son, it was inadequacy. Like again, getting back to the three, four hidden agendas. Um, for him, it was inadequacy. So when it's inadequacy, you have to go cheerleader with them. Baby steps, you have to acknowledge any positive attempt and you have to build, 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 build that self-esteem, right? And we knew it was inadequacy because when we dug into the situation, we realized it was the emotional stuff that was coming up from, you know, a very, very difficult year in our family. And um, that's what was really contributing to his not doing his homework. But it could be one of the other four hidden agendas as well. It could be revenge, it could be power. I'm not doing this homework because you told me to do it, right? I'll do it. I want to do it. Uh, at 11 o'clock at night. So I'm going to play video games right now. And at 11, I'm going to go and do it. So they want choices. Um, attention could be doing it to get their attention. They want you to do the homework with them, right? Uh, but you're too busy. You got to go make dinner. You got to do all these other things. You can't, you can't sit there and do their homework with them. And it could be revenge, right? It's like, you know what? I'm not doing this, right? Like you did this to me. I'm not doing this homework. And so you know, the right answer is you have to identify the reason. Is it attention? Is it power? Is it revenge? Or is it inadequacy? And then you have to approach it. So if it's attention, give them the attention. Sit there and do it with them until that attention tank is full, right? If it's power, then we can offer them limited choices, Right. And so, okay, maybe you're not going to do it at 11 p.m., 
but I'll compromise. You can do that for, you can play your game for half an hour and then you do your homework and then you can go back on your game for another half hour afterwards or something like that. So give them some choice, right? Would you like to do it that way or would you like to do it this way, right? And so now they get to choose. So power is all about choice. Uh, revenge is about apologizing and making amends for whatever it was that they feel that they needed to revenge for. Even if you don't feel like you have something to apologize for, the power of an apology, <laughs> if that's what it takes to get them, my kids to do their homework because something I said set them off, then, then that's okay with me, right? I'm perfectly okay with apologizing for things that I don't have any reason to apologize for if that is what's gonna get them to be successful. So you have to look at the reason why it's happening Sometimes it's going to require some digging to really find it. And especially in our case, like it was in a big, deep-rooted emotional thing. And, um, and then it, and, and also to have the patience to keep on it and to work with them to the point where now, you know, they're in a place where they feel like they can do it on their own. And, you know, and so there can be, we could do an entire thing on homework because there's so many different ways that, kids can avoid doing their homework. Um, but again, it comes down to why, why are they doing that? So you have to put your detective hat on and use the four hidden agendas, determine why they're doing it. And then when you think you figured it out, choose your approach that fulfills that need or, uh, or works with the reason why they're not doing it. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Those tools are really good. And so for our listeners, I want to remind them where they can find that tool again. It's at theblissfulparent.com and it's our four hidden agendas. Uh, it's such a good training. It's so helpful. It's such a good tool to use to uh, really like just take a step back from that immediate behavior and realize that it's not the immediate behavior that's the problem. That's what we're used to reacting to, I think, as parents. Just whatever it is, it was something set them off. But you know, there's something more deeper there than what we think it is. So, Chuck, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a blessing for us to have you with us, and I really want to encourage our listeners to go and get that training of the four hidden agendas because it's so valuable and it will help answer a lot of these questions for you that you had today. So uh, let's do this again. I think this was a good, uh, good Q and a session. I love these answers and questions, like finding out so many great answers to the things that are really on parents' minds. If you have a question, make sure that you send it to us and uh, we want to send it to us through our website check or through social media. How would you want to? Yeah, either or, I mean, you could put a, we usually will take clips of this and post it on social media. So if you are watching that right now, you could post down in the comments. If you're listening in on the podcast, go to www.theblissfulparent.com forward slash ask. You can submit your question there. It comes in to us. And, um, and then Michelle and I will jump on a call like this and uh, turn it into an episode. Yeah, I love it. These are so valuable. And thank you again, Chuck, for being with us today. And see you guys all next episode. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com. 